0: This is Justin Mason with A Mostly Green Life, sitting down with Dave Schiavone, co-founder of Red Thumb Wine, at his home in Venice to chat about and sip on one of our favorite indulgences, wine.
1: By the end, you'll likely start questioning what's actually in your wine and what's the minimum amount you should spend to get a good bottle.
0: And by the way, this was a remote recording from our Mostly Green Life tour this past summer, so you might hear a bit of background noise from time to time.
1: All right, so today we have Dave Schiavone, co founder of, I think, is it too bold to say a new category of wine?
2: Oh, that's an interesting question. No, I don't think it's too bold to say at all.
1: I think it's a new category of, of wine yeah, called transparent red, wine. Red thumb, transparent wine. <laughs> Not
2: the color of the wine.
1: Exactly. <laughs> um, and so these three guys, Dave, Diego, and Eric, all went to college together. Seem to have all stayed relatively close to wine over time, would you say? Yeah, well,
2: Diego's been in wine the longest. He got into it right after school. I found it a little bit later. Um, kind of was like my second career. Um,
1: Eric just likes to eat and drink a lot.
0: <laughs> <laughs> we like to eat and drink with Eric.
1: Yeah, of course. <laughs> Who which, which one of you was a sommelier? Diego. Diego. He, to, he came
2: up at uh, Commander's Palace in New Orleans, which has one of the best wine cellars, and he kind of learned a lot there. And then his boss, who kind of was his mentor, uh, was going out to Vegas for a job and took him out there. And he was uh, a him at a Michelin stored restaurant in Vegas for years, and then kind of moved up into the you know buyer corporate ranks there.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. So then, so what motivated y'all to get back together and and do Red Thumb?
2: It's interesting. We were at dinner together um, with a, with a guy who became our angel investor, and he kind of looked at us and he's like, "So we got someone who knows." you know, natural products and branding incredibly well. And we got two guys who've been in the wine business for a while. Why aren't you guys doing something like, you know, put it together? And he said, if you guys come up with a decent idea, I'll, I'll seed it, you know, nice. and so we kind of laughed at it. We were all, we'd been drinking all day, you know,
0: <laughs> having a good time.
2: We're in like Vegas for like uh, one of the fights, I think Mayweather and McGregor or something like that. And, uh, you know, we just kind of whatever kind of brushed it off, but then we got to thinking afterwards and we're like, we could probably put something together. And we started looking at kind of what was available in the wine space. And we, you know, Diego comes from a very fine wine world, the old houses, you know, big names, big dollar signs. Yeah. And I was doing the very kind of punk rock, natural wine world at a couple of different little spots around Los Angeles.
1: I didn't know that was a thing. Punk rock uh, yeah, wine. Totally.
2: You know, I mean, a lot of the natural stuff is. I think it's very akin to punk rock, you know, as guys who were like, there's all these old wine rules and we don't care about any of them. We want to go (laughs) back to something that's Mm very like pure and like direct from the heart. And we're going to get rid of all the, you know, overproduction. Um, and so, you know, uh, I was very steeped in that world, which you know, Diego and I would kind of, you know, friendly back and forth, you know, be like, oh, how's that $1,500 bottle? And he's like, I don't know, how's that bottle It tastes weird? You know <laughs> know? And so it was, you know, uh, we kind of started talking about like, what if there was something that was like in the middle of those two things? Where it was like, it had all the stuff that I was passionate about as far as being good with the earth, you know, uh, clean production standards, all that kind of stuff, but tasted like classic wines and you know you yeah could, somebody like Diego could taste a glass of it and be like oh that's a Tempranillo from this part of the world you know right and so we kind of set out to find that within a price range that we wanted to do and we didn't really think we were going to but you know at, at that point we we're looking at it like we got an all expenses paid trip to France and Spain you know <laughs> let's do it you know and uh, but we did we found some great wines we found a lot of great wines and we narrowed it down to three to start with and that's the three that we have on the market now.
1: Did you go over to France and Spain with a process in mind? Or how did you, how did you decide here's what exactly we're looking for?
2: We were really lucky. So, you know, Eric was very connected in the natural foods world and he hooked us up with a guy named Joe Dixon, who used to be on standards at Whole Foods. Yeah. He was on the USDA board, uh, deciding what is and isn't considered organic. Yeah. Yeah. I know Joe Dixon. Yeah. <laughs> and so Old he school. helped us craft our standards. We approached it the same way Whole Foods did when they were getting started, which is, if we have a set of product standards that our customers know our wines are going to fit within, no matter what, then that gives us a little bit of credibility. But it also kind of puts us to a test of can we find wines yeah. that meet our standards? Obviously, that taste good, and we wanted to hit a price point. We wanted yeah. to be under twenty dollars
1: on a retail shelf. It's the first filter to narrow down. So right. then, right. so then you only had to taste how many bottles? We tasted that first trip, Diego, and I tasted about 150. Wow! About 150 wow. And, and so I think what everyone is wondering at this point, you and Diego, I mean, do you do you spit or swallow? Uh,
2: I spit about
1: halfway through. Just got dirty mind. We're talking about we're talking about wine over here. Wait, we're still talking about wine? <laughs>
2: um, yeah, I I. Try to stay professional. Diego's a machine. He can just power through and we get to the end of 150 and he's good. He's like, you guys want to go get a beer? Uh, Eric was there as well and he was just drinking the whole time. (laughs) His tasting notes were like passed out after 20. (laughs) That was all he cared about. (laughs) Not good. Yeah, exactly.
0: (laughs) And so with your wine, I mean, we love that the ingredient list is so minimal. Uh, Mm -hmm. So it's organic grapes, native yeast, and just a touch of sulfur. At the bot in the bottling process, is that correct? That's right. Yep. And so, I mean, Mason and I have searched relentlessly for organic and natural wines, also mm-hmm. that taste good. And a lot of the times, it seems really hard to yeah. meet the those two things to meet in the middle.
2: Mm-hmm. One of the things that we wanted to was kind of remove the trust me element from this whole thing. So, like the natural wine world is built on a lot of trust. You know, like this wine that we're drinking right now is, I, uh, I love this wine. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is from a guy named Olivier Limasson, who actually recently passed away. So this would be like the last vintage that he ever makes, right? Oh, my gosh. And this is one of the guys who got me loving natural wine initially. Yeah. And this is, you know, no sulfur, organically grown, very much like the, that typical natural wine that is so popular these days. Um, but he, you know, he can make so much of this wine. Um, and, you know, it says it's organically foreign, but it's not certified by anybody. It mm-hmm. says there's no sulfur in it, but he's not, it's, there's no testing. Verification. Necessarily, here. to you know, to, to say so. Right. And so we said, you know, one, we think that this world is ripe for somebody to come along and cheat the system and lie about what they're doing. Mm-hmm. It's going to happen. You know, right. there's just Absolutely. too much money in natural wine at this point. That's a booming market. And so by you know going through all the testing going through all the government certifications yes it costs money but it's not prohibitively expensive mm-hmm. i don't think i think that's a little bit of a um a, a cop out for a lot of people who say well mm-hmm. oh, i can't afford to get my grapes certified you know yeah yeah you can't yeah you can it's really it. you just you don't want to fill out the paperwork increase the price buy a buck a bottle and you've paid <laughs> for it you know yeah. you're done um, or
0: potentially fib about it from time to time Right,
2: and mm-hmm. I think that's a lot of what's, I don't think it's a lot of what's, I don't think it's a rampant problem,
0: mm-hmm. but I
2: think we're going to hear about it at some mm-hmm. point, you know, yeah. and so we mm-hmm. wanted to make sure that everything we did was verified by whatever bodies were out there to do it, you know, yeah. and even with our wines, you know, we say made with organic grapes on them, um, because we do add sulfur, we can't call it an organic wine, Yeah. Um, but these this vintage was actually farmed biodynamically. Mm -hmm. But we don't claim that because it hasn't been certified yet. Mm. You know, so we'll talk about it to people, but it's not going on the bottle until we have a a seal from somebody who verifies that that's the case.
1: Yeah. You know, the question of sulfur um, to me is really interesting. So I think it's a very controversial substance and, and additive. And I think there and I forget when it was when I was growing up and and there was this huge movement where everyone wanted to blame their hangover sulfur and they're just like oh wine has added sulfites and that must be why my head hurts so bad in Mm -hmm. the morning and then i'm pretty sure a few years later it was it was like no that's not you just drank too much wine right so you know sulfur tell us a little bit more like about sulfur and why y'all add it and why people think it's bad and why it's not actually not bad yeah it's you
2: know it's really interesting it it it's been scapegoated because you know, any every wine bottle says contains sulfites on it. Mm-hmm. There's very few wines that don't. Even, you know, this wine that doesn't add any sulfur, there are naturally occurring sulfites from the fermentation process that are in the wine. Yeah. And, you know, the U.S. government says you have to have contained sulfites on there. Well, that's because after Prohibition, the brewers were looking for some kind of an advantage on the market. And so they said, well, you should ha- make wine say that it contains sulfites because those are bad. There was no proof of it at the time but it's just ah. been on the books it's been done that
1: way ever since so it goes all the way back to prohibition right
2: coming wow. out of prohibition okay. and and it it's worked you know mm-hmm. um, even though there's sulfites <laughs> in beer <laughs> they don't have to say it you know there's sulfites wow in that's so really
1: many things that we consume is there know. any alcohol there's not sulfites in i mean which i don't is know about legit, liquor probably actually yeah. i'm not sure but beer has it's, sulfites mm-hmm. i mean i've even no.
0: purchased a device that you know, has a pouch and you pour your wine through it to uh-huh. try to it's take to the sulfite out of it. Yeah. Yeah. It just kind of yeah. ruins
1: your wine. <laughs> you yeah. but, but no one it was, does that for beer.
2: Right. But, you <laughs> know, for sulfur, I mean, there's way more sulfur in a Diet Coke than there is legally allowed in the most, like, chemically enhanced wine on the market. Wow. Dried fruits are full of sulfites. Yeah, know, just naturally, you know. Yeah. Um, and people who have a sulfite allergy know it. From when they are very young, it's like having a gluten allergy or a peanut allergy. You know, it's you know, it's in so many products that are all over the place that if you have a problem with it, you know it very young, and it it causes respiratory issues. It doesn't yeah. cause headaches. Uh. It's like in, in, a lot of people who have severe <laughs> asthma also have a sulfide allergy. There's some kind of a link huh. there, and it uh. gives them trouble breathing. You know? Yeah. And so your headache is from drinking wine.
0: Drinking too much wine, (laughs) not because of the sulfates.
2: I don't disagree that natural wines tend to be less of a hangover because they're not pumping them full of sugar Mm -hmm. in all of the cheat ways that big commercial wine pumps sugar into their wine. And they're not, you know, full of all kinds of other additives that maybe those are causing headaches. There's a ton of research that needs to be done on this stuff, but nobody's funding that.
0: Right, yeah. Since wine doesn't have to list ingredients, can you share, like, what you mentioned, sugar and some other potential, like, chemicals or preservatives Mm -hmm. that are added to other, you know, mainstream wines that you guys don't include?
2: So the big ones are they do things to adjust the look of the wine. So they'll add uh, different clarifying agents to, you know, remove solids or to... Brighten a white wine, things like that, Uh, including cow's blood. uh, Is that a clarifying agent? Cow's blood. I've seen uh, they use fish fish bladders, uh, horse hooves. Mm, Uh, Yum! Yeah, delicious (laughs) stuff. Exactly what you (laughs) want. Egg whites is the the most traditional, and a ton of really high end Burgundies. Until a few years ago, we're still using egg whites, and then like you know the the desire to make vegan wines, you know, kind of trumped that. And there's a lot of Vegan-finding agents that you can use as well, like bentonite clay or diatomaceous earth, those are all, you know, fine as well. Uh, we decided with our wines to use a, a filtration process just because I don't believe that you can remove things by adding things. It, doesn't, it just doesn't <laughs> really a work. Right, yeah. you know, people swear by it, but I think if you filter responsibly, you're going to get much closer to your desired result.
1: Interesting. The first time I heard the phrase vegan wine, all you think of that the wine is grapes
0: right You're like, oh, like, a new what buzzword do you what for do you even wine? mean
1: yeah. do you have any clue i mean wine companies don't have to disclose this stuff on the bottle which is mm-hmm. i think the most frustrating piece of it right how what percentage of the wines on call it a a liquor store shelf are actually vegan you, you know
2: it's it's hard i don't I have no you can't idea tell, right? you have no clue wow I mean, there's no way of knowing and then, then you get into like machine harvesting where they're just like sending like these big tractors through to just scoop all the grapes up. Well, they're getting everything else that's in that vineyard too. There's, mm. there's all, every rodent that's running around in there is just going in the tank. Wow. And so, I mean, they didn't add that, but <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I
1: don't think you'd call it a vegan wine if you got like mouse floating around in there, you know? <laughs> Is there an allowed in food? There's actually a, a number of insect fragments per uh, g- pound that are allowable in food. Yeah, and why is, do they? This is why we're not regular. Yeah, yeah no
0: Rodents it. are allowed. I don't think they're Yeah, yeah exactly. They're not even measuring that.
1: <laughs> they're hoping that the mice will get the insect
0: before. Yeah.
1: So what are the most common additives that wine companies put in? You said the look of it. I assume mm-hmm. this flavor would be the most Flavor's common. a big part
2: too. So like, uh, like citric acid mm-hmm. to brighten the wine's flavor. There's a product called mega purple, which is, uh, it's derived from wine grapes. And so a lot of people are just like, well, you're not adding, it's just wine grapes, mm-hmm. you know, uh, but it's like super concentrated. So yeah. it darkens the color. It boosts mm-hmm. the sugar, which boosts the alcohol. It also boosts, like, the concentration. So you get these big California wines that are, like, inky red. You stain your glass, stain your Same. teeth and lips. Yes. It's probably I struggle with that. Probably <laughs> mega purple. Mega purple. Mega. Mega, mega. Yeah. Mega purple. Mm-hmm. So that stuff's pretty bad. There's, I mean, there's some, you know, more chemical stuff, like just, you know, formaldehyde going through processes. But... They don't consider it an additive because it's used to
1: process the grapes. Yeah. It's a processing agent. Exactly. And not an additive. Right. And Which, so do they, don't they have to declare additives, right? So certainly not processing anything. agents. Anything. Yeah. Don't yeah. have to declare anything. Don't have to list the ingredients. You know, before I started talking to y'all, I mean, honestly, I just, I mean, I just drank wine. If it, I didn't yeah.
0: Know. I mean, just recently we started looking in like the natural section that Whole mm-hmm. Foods has and I mean, we've struggled to find ones that we liked and also ones that were in the price point that we felt like paying. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when we were able to try your guys' wine, I mean, it's delicious and everything we'd want out of a wine. And so we're excited for you guys to come. You guys are already are in the market, but to expand mm-hmm. you know, your distribution and come to Austin for sure. <laughs> Absolutely. <We're, laughs> we've been waiting for that.
2: Hopefully very close to having that happen. I
0: follow y'all, of course, on Instagram and mm-hmm. I keep seeing plugs of Austin. I'm like, yeah. but... But where and when? <laughs> right, it
1: the Instagram Very you know, soon. Just at oh, we're at oh, Red Thumb Wine. Yeah, at Red Thumb Wine. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Three of you got together, created a wine. Y'all went out, drank a whole lot of wine. Mm-hmm. Eric got drunk. <laughs> right. Diego was fine. Diego was fine. It sounds like in you're somewhere middle. in the middle there. <laughs> and so y'all found these three. Vintners, Was it different Vintners per varietal that y'all are launching with?
2: So or? initially it was. Initially we found our Tempranillo and our Chardonnay from one producer and a Rosé from another. And then when we were going through our verification process, we found out that that Rosé producer was using a fining agent, which is what you add in to clarify the wine. We were mm-hmm. talking about, you know, egg whites and all that stuff. Well, they were using pea protein and their pea protein wasn't organic. Mm. So that kicked the wine out for us. And luckily, our uh, the producer of our Tempranillo and Chardonnay had a great rosé ready to go for us that we hadn't tasted initially. Um, And it was—I think it was an improvement over the initial one. I really like our rosé a lot, and most people who work in wine are really sick of drinking rosé. It was nice to find one that I can actually, you know, enjoy a glass of from time to time.
1: Yeah. So you have one vintner? Do you call it that? Your yeah, we call them a producer. Producer. Yeah. So they're your producer, mm-hmm. and,
0: and then... in Spain, correct?
2: Yeah, they're in Spain in Navarra, which is uh, it's the region just to the east of Rioja. Rioja is like the big famous region in Spain. It's like their Napa or Bordeaux. Uh, and Navarra is actually called the. It's like the produce basket of Spain. It's where most of their agriculture is. Incredibly fertile soil, uh, and people who know how to grow and teams that know how to come in and harvest. That live locally, you know, you're, you're not relying on like migrant labor to come in and harvest your grapes. But it had kind of been forgotten as a wine region for a long time, and you know, these guys and a couple of others have recently been making more interesting wines out in Navarra. For a long time, it was just commercial wine, you know, three liters for restaurants to cook with and that sort of thing.
1: Yeah, I mean, they're they're I guess at this point they're about 50 years out of being a third world country, but it takes a while <laughs> to develop sophistication right. in some regions. So, Navarro, where's...
2: We're in Barcelona. We went from south of France down to Barcelona, um, just basically all along the coast. And then Navarra is going to be uh, maybe an hour and a half, two hours north.
1: North of Barcelona. Yeah,
2: so it's pretty inland. There's a little bit of a coastal influence um, at the northern end of the region. Yeah. But where our guys are, they don't really get it. So, it's definitely continental climate. Gotcha. Um, yeah.
1: Very cool.
2: And these guys have been... Uh, they took over for their father. Their father had the vineyard, and I guess he wasn't really doing much with it. And they took it over in the 90s. And they've been certified organic since 98. They're really into, like, green technology is their oh, cool. passion, you know. So they've got one of their brothers um has a... Uh, you know, a green skincare line that's all based on egg whites, I guess, is like oh, the whole thing. And then they've also developed a green uh, street sweeper company. They're selling street sweepers all over Europe that use like, you know, no evil chemicals and probably run on biodiesel or something like that.
1: I don't know. So they're machines? Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. <laughs> <Just> <laughs> yeah, not a guy with a broom. <laughs> <laughs> that's the greenest. <laughs> you know, since no one has to, to declare anything, you can't, Like, who are the worst winemakers out there in terms of chemical? Oh, man,
2: I couldn't even say. You know, there's so many. Um, I mean, as a general rule, if you're paying less than 10 bucks for a bottle of wine, there's a lot going on in there that is not above board. You know, you just can't make a wine that cheap. If you're in Europe, you can buy great bottles for less than, you know, 10 bucks or 10 euros, whatever, uh, because. You know, it's just much cheaper to make wine over there. There's no land cost. You know, these guys have all inherited land. Uh, and whereas, you you know, an acre at Napa is two and a half million dollars, right?
1: Now. You know, champagne can only be from the Champagne region. And I think it was 10 years ago, I read an article that there was only like 600 acres left in the entire region that was not grapes. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, they're going to plant all of it. Everything uh, that they can plant there, they're going to. Yeah. And somebody's going to start making wine that's not very good with a champagne label. But... You know, one of the good things about those old governing bodies in Europe is that they hold the quality standard. Yeah. You know? And if you're not making very good product, they're going to, you know, they'll, they'll still let you call it champagne. <laughs> Actually, I don't think champagne would, but like Bordeaux
1: will, but they'll be like, this is Bordeaux. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> T-level <Terrible>. D- <laughs> D- Bordeaux, <laughs> yeah. But I guess even though, on that point, an interesting thing that I learned about was that once a once the people in the Champagne region realized they had something special, they created this governing body so that you could not call anything Champagne that was not grown in the Champagne region. That's right. So mm. most of what America drinks is is what sparkling wine sparkling no wine spark. yeah. right not champagne which is fine it's there's fine, nothing wrong right? with that nothing know? wrong with that but i think it's a fascinating thing that champagne has to be from champagne mm-hmm. region and tequila tried to do that and say it had to be from jalisco but then i think they ended up softening it where it had to be produced in jalisco but they could still get the blue agave from where? all over the place yeah interesting yeah
2: yeah there's a few that have been very successful with that scotch has done a good job bourbon yeah. You can't call it bourbon if it's not from Kentucky. You right. Know? Um, but champagne was first. Yeah. They, yeah. they, they created that kind of mm-hmm. thing, which is fascinating. Very fascinating. They were the first ones to defend it. Because there was a producer in California that was calling their wine champagne. Yeah. And the champagne union sued them. It was like, you can't do that. You know, it's international at that point. I mean, like, the champagne growers union really doesn't have any
1: pull in the United <laughs> States. You know? Yeah. yeah. But... <laughs> There's some difference in the pockets
0: there. Um, Well, something I feel like that's, you know, much different with Red Thumb than other wines is the label and the packaging that you guys have. I feel like when most people go shopping for wine, they look at, like, the type of wine, the alcohol percentage, and where it came from. Mm -hmm. And that's the only thing that, you know, we're...
2: It's all the information you're given. Yeah,
0: yeah, it's the only Mm -hmm. information you're given, so that's all you're looking for. But with your wine, you have, like, all of these additional buzzwords and information on the front of the packaging. So I was curious, you know... The thought process on that and the not necessarily the hierarchy, but which ones you chose and why for consumers' transparency.
2: So on that front label, that's all of our standards. That's the standards list that we came up with, Joe, working with him. What we thought was relevant,
0: mm-hmm.
2: you know, because one thing that we decided with that, like, these wines are gluten-free, Right. Well, pretty much all wine's gluten-free, you know, Mm -hmm. it's, it's one of those things where there might be like, the question mark is if there's like, there's a certain sealant that some people use in barrels that might have some gluten in it. But so far there's been no issue with anybody who has a gluten intolerance drinking wine. Right. Yeah. So we decided not to include that on our labels. We thought it was greenwashing, Mm -hmm. but everything else we thought was a matter of transparency, which is our, our, probably our cornerstone around what we're doing here is there's a lot of Delicious wine out there. There's a lot of wine out there in this price point. There's a lot of wine that sort of has a lot of claims, but transparency is what we're all about. So by putting all that stuff on the label, when we submitted that label to tax and trade, who approves all wine labels in the United States, we had to anything that we claimed, we had to have supporting documentation for it.
0: They were like, it, what is this? Right. If we, had, we need a lot more paperwork for this label.
2: Yeah. If we had just put yeah. it like a picture of a pig with wings on there, they'd be like, cool. I guess pigs fly now. You know, they don't need any supporting documentation for flying pigs, but for the amount of sulfur that's in your wine, they, they need a, a lab test. Yeah. yeah.
0: Vegan, no hormones.
2: Yeah, exactly. But not for beer. No, not for beer.
1: <laughs> And what is this
0: wine we're drinking again?
2: This is Olivier Limasson's R20. So this is a blend of... I'm going to mess this up. uh, Gamay, Cab Franc, and Grolo.
1: And so we're on... We're calling it the Mostly Green Tour. We're on this epic RV trip. We're going around the western part of the U.S. right now. And so if anyone here is noise in the background it's not poor quality sound production <laughs> nope. it's because we're literally in dave's bedroom <laughs> because it's mobile <laughs> <the quietest, laughs> recording setup yeah yeah it's the quietest uh room in the house and so we're in southern california and uh we're gonna head to norcal later which right a lot of people mm-hmm. think is kind of the epicenter of of wine in america are there any vineyards up there you think we should go to, or if you were to give us bottles of red thumb, we could do BYOB and just well, like... we can
2: definitely do that. Uh, yeah, <laughs> take like as go. many show bottles them. as you yeah, want. There's them. a lot of great stuff going on in California. Uh, where are you, are you guys just going up the coast? Yep, yep,
0: PCH. Uh, very
2: cool. I'll give you a, a list for sure. A lot more, I think, interesting stuff going on in the Santa Barbara area.
0: Oh, for like
2: natural producers. That's our first stop, we'll yeah. be
0: there. Tomorrow night? Tomorrow night, yeah. Yeah.
2: Some really cool things. Definitely go to Los Olivos. It's like this little town a little bit inland from Santa Barbara. Yeah. Michael Jackson's Neverland.
1: Is that right? Los Olivos. Los Olivos? Yeah. I didn't know that. <laughs> I have a really uh-huh. weird story where I worked this part. He had never, he'd only done one party ever at his house and he threw this party. And Mason and- worked it. Uh-huh. And I got somehow got to work. Was this when yes. you were like seven? <laughs> oh. No, it was, I was in my twenties. <laughs> all right, but okay. yeah, so you were safe. Yeah, yeah. So weird things happened, but it it wasn't as illegal that's as fair. if I would have been seven.
0: <laughs> but the, I mean, the weirdest he part consented.
1: <laughs> I was all consent. They had free Grey Goose and Red Bull. At the yeah, <laughs> it was an open nice. bar. I puked in Michael Jackson's driveway. <laughs> um <laughs> But it was very much they he has a, a movie theater and we after about an hour and a half of 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 working the event I'm doing the air quotes working <laughs> the event we took off our lanyards and then we were just you know guests and people were showing us around and we went to the movie theater and in the back of the movie theater there's a room with a uh, I don't know if it's a, a one-way mirror or what but you could you could see out over the theater and they had all the chairs down there, but the room was separate and it just had a big bed with a whole bunch of stuffed animals. And it looked like a King size children's bed in this movie theater. And we, you know, we took one step in there and we're just like, this is weird. (laughs) (laughs) We're going to leave now. Yeah. Yeah, and so he left, but he had a zoo, and he could he did, like, flamingos flying up on his window every morning when he woke up. And That's kind of cool. It was fascinating, but it was Los Olivos, and forever, probably for 15 years, I had a sweatshirt from the high school. They sold the sweatshirts <laughs> of the high school there to gas station because i didn't know it was going to be cold i didn't know uh-huh. california was cold yes. i was from texas wonderfully cold um <laughs> uh,
2: yeah it L- was wine tasting uh with or without michael jackson uh <laughs> it's like you know the center of town looks like this like idyllic 1950s main street america thing oh
0: very cool but it's
2: just all wine tasting rooms uh-huh. so you just roll in you park in the morning how early in things, the morning lunch. can we go
1: taste? We'd probably roll in at
2: 10, eleven,
1: something like
0: that. Seems like that's when they had opened. Yeah,
2: I don't know how the COVID is is treating things right. up there right now, but Jess um, would do it at nine
1: a.m. if someone would give her permission. <laughs>
0: Absolutely. <laughs> well, yeah. we can get started with some red thumb if Amen. Hey. There we go. <laughs> yeah. So I've never been to Sonoma or Napa, and those is are not the places that we're going with the type of wine that we're wanting to try. Um, I mean, which, so I, I'm not I'm not upset we're not going to any of those places. I'd prefer to go, you know, to the places we want to drink the best right, wine. sure.
2: And-, and there's a lot of people doing, you know, more honest wines up there, but they're, mm. they're getting a pretty penny for them, you know, and they're, they're making them very much in, like, an old-world style. I don't think that any of them are saying, like, this is a natural wine, but it kind of is, because they're following very old-world processes, you know, and yeah. there's a lot of wines the big time French producers, you know, uh, I mean, uh, you know, Romanée Conti is the, you know, the most expensive wine in the world right now out of Burgundy. And those are probably technically natural wines, yeah. but they're not advertising it as such, you right. know.
0: What is the most expensive wine in the world, like per bottle?
2: Man, I think it's lately it's been Roman Conti. Yeah.
0: I'm sorry. I meant like the price. Fifty. A thousand? Yeah.
2: What? No problem. Like, <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>.
0: what <Well. laughs> I guess, what? That, <laughs> <laughs> I guess that should have been pretty obvious.
2: Uh-huh. I just yeah. I, yeah. I mean, you know, I was on release, that. you can get like some of their like less, you know, vineyard designated bottles. Mm-hmm. Everything they do is vineyard designated. But uh, if it's a less desirable vineyard, it's maybe like eight to 10 grand on release. But, oh. You know, you can, <laughs> it's a bargain.
1: And then does that, because I know different wines from one vineyard taste different year to year. Do they charge differently per year, depending on the wine? Or is it all like cachet?
2: I mean, those guys at this point are so in demand that they're just charging as much as they think they can. You know, there's no cost rubric that they're using whatsoever. It's all about what they think the market will support. And, you know, there's a certain thing with a producer like that. You know, say they're, you know, they're releasing their 2019s right now. Right. And it's um, they're selling them at. Say they want to sell them at 25 grand a bottle and they're not selling as well as they would like. Well, they're just going to put them in the cellar. And then release it as a library release oh my ten years from now for yeah. fifty grand a bottle. <laughs> you know? They're not worried.
0: The industry where it's good to hold on to your inventory.
2: Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> well,
1: at that level it is. We would like to move our inventory. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Just the opposite of the industry we've been in is that if fresh you don't sell it within vegetables, two weeks. <laughs> yeah. Two we weeks don't sell it two weeks it goes bad either way. Uh-huh. So People, I used to get calls on, they wanted to loan us money on our inventory. It was like, you obviously didn't do your research. (laughs) (laughs) Like
0: if you don't sell your inventory, we'll buy it. If you don't sell it within a few weeks, we're like, well, it'll go bad at that point.
1: (laughs) Well, you know, let people make bad deals. (laughs) (laughs) Talking about price. It sounded like you said you can't, you can't actually buy a real wine for less than $10. Very rare. Very rare. rare.
2: There's some, they're out there but um, it's usually a situation of something getting uh, overbought by somebody or something uh, like that. right, And, yeah. you know, everybody's giving up a bunch of margin on it to just move it out the door.
1: Yeah. They're so not. You think there are good deals. They say people have excess inventory, they made too much, and you, we can't tell you whose it is, but it's a high-quality wine. Um,
2: No, not really. Like, some of that stuff, though, there's some programs, some of the stuff at Costco, some of those Kirkland wines, which are – you know, they won't tell you who the producer is on it, but it'll be like a, an AVA Napa Chardonnay or an AVA Napa Cabernet that would normally sell for twice as much. You can get some good deals there, you know, but there's going to be something wrong with it. There's a reason it's not hmm. being bottled under that producer's label.
0: Interesting.
2: Um, like what? The color's not right. Uh, the alcohol's wrong for what they wanted it to be. It just didn't do right. exactly what the winemaker wanted it to.
0: So maybe know? minimal for the consumer, but yeah mm-hmm. usually i think
2: that's usually a good good indicator is if it's got an ava seal on it the, those grapes were expensive you know especially if you're looking at like i know whole foods has a, a private label wine under their criterion label it's a chalk hill sonoma uh cabernet right now that is i think they're selling for 20 bucks that's a steal you know you're not going to get mm-hmm. chalk hill for $20 a 20 bottle now is it going to be like the transcendent experience that like a perfect Chalk Hill cab would be no, but it's going to be better than just about anything else you're getting
1: at that price point. Yeah. You know, so you said if it has an AVA seal, what does that look like? And where do you find it? It's not
2: a seal really, but if it, if that has a name of an AVA on the label, then it has to be from that, So AVA is the American version of like a, a, you know, uh, an AOC in French or uh, DO, DOP. We don't know those either. All the European countries have different words for champagne is one, Bordeaux is one, Burgundy is one. You know, they have rules, the grapes, it has to be this, this, and this. The American ones are much more forgiving. Usually it just has to come from that place, you know? Gotcha. Like in Burgundy in France, you can... For a red wine, you can make Pinot Noir or Gamay. And that's it. So if you're growing Syrah and Burgundy, you can't put Burgundy on your label.
0: Gotcha. Well, we're going to need a list of wines to try. And I think yeah. we can share that with everybody. Yeah, gotcha. we'll share that.
2: <laughs> One so of my marketing team a- just went up there with her family. And I gave her a whole list um, in uh, like Los Olivos, Santa
1: Barbara area mm-hmm. wineries to try out. So nice. I got it ready to go. I assumed, I mean, you said AVA a couple times. I didn't know what that meant. I was calling it... American Vintners Association?
2: I think it's American Viticultural Area.
1: Viticultural Area. Okay, but so I it's could more geographical. Totally wrong. It might be something.
0: Else. <laughs> we'll fact check it afterwards. Yeah. yeah, yeah. We'll
1: come back to that. I don't need to know that.
0: <laughs> so it's fine. Yeah. <laughs> right.
2: I'm an importer. <laughs> um, but yeah, and it's interesting because it, there's like this push now. They keep approving new AVAs, and they get like smaller and smaller and smaller. Yeah. You know, so you go up to, like, Napa and you can get, like, Howell Mountain. So it's, like, this one mountain it is its own AVA. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. And they're doing that. Like, Washington is approving AVA's left and right.
1: I also heard that in Napa, they have the vineyards have started putting in pools. And they'll have, like, Sunday pool
0: parties. I'm
1: sure a lot of them are. So <laughs> much of the business in Napa I mean, is, like... so fun to me.
0: I have not I, heard that. I want to sounds... go to a
1: Napa pool party. It's probably a
2: blast. <laughs> It'd be you and, like... Uh, 20, 40-year-old divorcee is you know,
1: a <laughs> time, you know? <laughs> they like to have fun. So, they do. Yeah, yeah, we're totally okay with that. <laughs>
2: <laughs> it definitely caters towards a certain thing of people who, like, go up and they get on, like, a party bus that goes vineyard to vineyard. To vineyard right, vineyard and they, right. You know, they taste wines that are, they don't care. Yeah, and They're not, like, trying to pick out, like, what's
1: the difference between the <laughs> 17 and the 18. You know? <laughs> but they pretend like they are. They're just there to drink and have a good time, which is fine. We used to do, I played uh, rugby in college and shortly after we would do wine tours. And so an interesting fact in Texas between a town called Stonewall and Fredericksburg is actually the highest density of vineyards anywhere in the U.S., more than Napa or Sonoma because they're just popping up out there. Mm -hmm. And do you know how many
0: there are? I mean, over a hundred.
1: Yeah, well over a hundred. I don't know exactly I mean, how
2: many a different. lot of that is because the land there is not two and a half million an acre. Exactly. You know? Yeah. Land and is so cheap. People are being driven like young winemakers who want to do something interesting.
1: Is that it it must the be, dogs yeah. come home? <laughs> uh, sorry, the y'all. Dogs, dogs, dogs came home. home. Yeah. <laughs> so
2: like young winemakers who want to do something interesting, they don't have a fifty million dollar loan to start a vineyard, you know, but they can go down to Texas and borrow two hundred grand. Yeah. you know, and get something going. Yeah.
1: You know? And Texas has a, an interesting history. Uh, my last company, a grocery delivery company, we delivered wine. We were the very first cartage permit in Texas where we could sell beer and wine over the internet and deliver it. It took me 18 months of <laughs> harassing the TBC. and I'm, I'm just a persistent guy. But I learned a lot about wine. One, apparently Texas roots saved France, at some point point, yeah. and some and Texas is bigger than France for anyone who mm-hmm. is much bigger than France. And, um, and so Texas root stock saved the wine industry in France cause they had some disease over there, Yeah, but Texas had 1800s. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so Texas had a, has a disease called Pierce's disease that destroys vineyards. And so no one could really grow wine. Cause as soon as you planted that one extra row and caught Pierce's, then it went through everything, everything. And, distro- yeah. and destroyed it. And then they figured out in the last, uh, I think in the last five years, they figured out a a Pierce disease-resistant Rousseau. And so everything just blew up. And so now we have massive amounts of wineries in, in Texas and, you know, a lot of wine tours. But so me and the rugby guys used to organize... Wine tours, and the last one we organized was we got kicked out of the first winery. The rugby, first
0: winery, guys the very, would. the very <laughs> drinking
1: wine out of your shoe because that'll do it every time. <laughs> yeah, we're you know it was a solid. I would call it. They 40, probably tackled
0: each other every. It was a solid
1: forty-minute drive to the first winery, and somehow we were already too rambunctious. So we got kicked out of the first one. We got kicked out of the second one. Also, they had to take goat away from us. One of the guys wanted to buy a baby goat. I oh, so you I didn't like, bring the goat? Did not bring it. You tried to take their goat. We're gonna buy the goat from them, uh-huh. and someone on premise was gonna sell the goat. I personally was like, no, we can't buy this goat, it's, it's not gonna be alive by the end of the night. We're only on our second winery, and we have five wineries to go, so I thought that the goat wasn't gonna make it, we're not gonna buy the goat. And someone, uh, one of the owners of the winery learned that we were even, that we had the goat and got really mad, so uh-huh. we got kicked out of the second winery very- forcefully and then on our way to the third winery we got a call from that third winery and they were like don't you dare show up to our wine somehow they had our <laughs> oh, number man.
0: And they they were say, over
1: said don't even come we will not even let you on the premises
2: wineries don't usually have bouncers
1: right you know
2: <laughs> yeah There's usually a concierge
1: yeah. So <laughs> we, between the second and third winery out of five, we turned around, just went back to Austin, and we've never done a wine tour again.
0: No, Such, a, such a classy group, you <laughs> guys. Yeah,
1: we're so classy. Well, if you guys
2: can bring a goat back from Santa Barbara, <laughs> <laughs> you know, it'll be legends.
1: Yeah, it was, a, it was a really cute baby goat. It seemed to be fine.
0: They're not friendly <laughs> at all.
1: That's how they end up beer all the time.
0: You
1: know? <laughs> Throw that thing in some tacos will be good. <laughs> so me and Jess, we like to we try to stick to the ten to fifteen dollar range. Mm-hmm. Are there quality wines in that range? You're fifteen to twenty dollars.
2: Yeah, exactly. And so my general rule, what I've always told people is that except for like a few regions where you're gonna have to really pay, you should expect if you're spending fifteen to twenty-five dollars to be getting a well made mostly handmade wine it's not full of additives it's it's mostly an honest product yeah you know, there's a there's a difference between sort of the sub10 dollar full of commercial chemical crap that is on the market and wines that are like 25 30 fifty dollars but are not made in a sort of clean natural way
0: mm-hmm.
2: those wines are i still consider those wines to be sort of an honest product they just have a different point of view on how wine should be made right that i don't necessarily agree with
0: and consumers don't they don't necessarily they don't
2: shelf. and there's some huge wine brands out there that i don't know for sure are doctoring up their wines but <laughs> you know it's suspicious yeah yeah Is there a- they, they sell the brand for $250 million with uh, just the brand. They just yeah. any vineyards and sell anything. So maybe some people can
1: figure out who I'm talking about. <laughs> doing it for, uh, it's a business, not an agricultural product at that point. Right. Yeah. Right. Our uh, point of view is you have to be both.
2: Yeah. If you're just an, You know, this little pet project that somebody's doing to make, you know, a couple hundred cases of wine every year, that's great. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people are going to love those wines and they might be amazingly delicious, but you're not going to move the market doing a couple hundred cases of wine a year. We have capacity. We want to change the way people think about the wines that they buy every day at the grocery store, not Mm -hmm. their special occasion splurges, not the ones that somebody talked to them for 20 minutes about in the wine shop or in a restaurant. We think that the baseline should be that you know
1: everything that you're putting in your body. Absolutely. That's amazing. That's incredible. From the time we record this to the time people listen, which may be a little bit unknown. (laughs) Uh, Maybe (laughs) October.
0: What's your current distribution? And then talk about the future. Yeah. Thank
2: you. Man, it's tricky. So we are available through distribution in state of Louisiana and California. Uh, we are working on a bunch of other states right now, but it's coming out. You know, during COVID, most distributors were just like, "We're not bringing on any new brands. We're mm-hmm. we're barely servicing the brands we've got. We can't add new launches right now." Uh, that's starting to change, but then we're also going into the dreaded OND. What's that? October, November, December, oh, where like everybody's right. everybody's set <laughs> is locked. Nobody is OND. Make- I
0: like that. Yeah. OND. Yeah. Nobody bringing- cider.
2: Yeah. And nobody's bringing in any new products. Yeah. Nobody's changing yeah. anything. They they know what their promos are going to be. Everything's done. So we've talked to a few distributors that like the product and they're cool. And they're just like, cool. So let's maybe talk first of the year. I, I don't want to wait for the first of the year. I right, want to go right. now. I want to catch Omidy this year. And mm-hmm. So if we bring it in now, we're aggressive with our marketing and we're aggressive with our, you know, the way we're pushing the wine to market. So once a distributor picks us up, we're going to hit those markets big. Yeah.
0: With us, I don't know, being in food and launching products in new markets, this is kind of outside of the questions we've been asking. But I'm just curious, like what y'all's go-to-market strategy is like within when y'all launch in uh, Louisiana or New Orleans or mm-hmm. California. So when you get a new state or a new city, what does that look like?
2: So it is vastly different. So California, we can self-distribute. And we haven't really been able to get the traction going because that basically means me going door to door and selling Mm -hmm. and while we're doing everything else i haven't been able to do that so we're working on trying to find some brokers or maybe a distributor to to handle the sales for us in california right louisiana we set up a really great distributor there uh, wines unlimited they're kind of exactly the distributor we've been wanting to work with like mid-level so we don't want to work with the huge companies the big national distributors because we'll just get lost You know in their book Mm -hmm. uh, and we will still be responsible for all the selling basically Mm -hmm. but we need people that have the capacity and the sales staff to get out there and push our wine uh so these guys are like a mid-range mid-sized distributor in louisiana that cover the whole state louisiana was maybe a little bit of a layup for us because we know so many people there we have a ton of connections around town we could kind of go in and start calling in favors to get that initial push rolling and then i'm going down there in a couple weeks i'm gonna do ride alongs with sales reps and just go pour the wine for as many people as possible.
1: Because all three of you went to college in Louisiana. Yeah, yeah
2: we all met there
1: uh, at Loyola.
2: It's an easy market to get into if your product is good. Yeah, it's one where people aren't as concerned with the flash and the marketing and, and all the other stuff, which I think we're strong in those areas. Mm-hmm. I think our label jumps off the shelf. Our marketing mm-hmm. pro- program is great. But people taste our wine and they're like, oh, this is a really good value at you know, 18 bucks on a retail shelf. Yep. So they'll, they'll bring it, you know, that's not the case in other markets In other markets, you have to bring more to it.
1: Yeah. There's a lot of, I feel like there's a lot of authenticity in the Louisiana market. They're mm-hmm. very, it was the first time I heard the phrase, uh, come from.
2: <laughs> <laughs> right.
1: As when, uh, my last company Greenline, we we're expanding, we we're going to maybe open up in, in New Orleans. They were like, well, oh, are you, are you a come from? am i come from i don't actually understand that the sentence what does that mean it's like where did you come from it's like oh i mean there's significant xenophobia in in louisiana sure. in general
2: for sure Well, just what having that, that loyola connection is enough to kind of put
1: yeah i mean y'all are from there you're not come from sure
2: yeah. well i mean i'm you know only eric who is kind of in the orbit of us. He's just kind of helping us along through this whole thing. He's the only one from there. Oh, Diego right. and I moved there for school. You know? Gotcha. I'm from Boston. Diego's from Florida somewhere. Um. Parts unknown, I think. Is <laughs> somewhere flashy. <laughs> yeah. We grew up in Peru, actually. Moved here when he was like eight or
1: nine years old. Oh, really? Fascinating. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Played rugby with a Peruvian. He was the craziest guy I ever knew. Are you? Drank yerba every day and... Paid for his college by smuggling drugs.
2: Uh huh. Yeah, sounds about right. Yeah.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, that was really fun. Our first remote recording, it just felt right for it to be having wine near the (laughs) beach in LA.
0: Yeah, that was so much fun. I was a bit nervous that you weren't going to be able to set up the equipment correctly or we were going to have missing pieces to it.
1: Yeah, and we did, but we kind of made it work. And especially to be in a bedroom, yeah. we were kind of U-shaped around the bed, which made it interesting.
0: And trying not to spill the wine on that quilt, too. Yeah,
1: almost completely white quilt. The funniest part, which might end up in bloopers somewhere along the way, is that we got pretty tipsy by the end. Didn't exactly know when to stop drinking the wine. And I don't remember thinking that my speech was slurred, but it definitely did when we listened to it again. Right. And we kind of rambled a bit.
0: Yeah. At the end of the recording, when we listened to it back, we were like, oh, my gosh, we have to delete out or not (laughs) use some of this.
1: Yeah, so for your ears sake, we actually cut off quite a bit when we were sloppy. So, uh, but it's kind of part for the course for us, I would say.
0: Yeah. So I guess we can get into some of the facts that we wanted to share with our listeners. Um, So Red Them Wine is available shipping in 44 states at this time, um, or at the time that this episode airs. And it's in Louisiana and in Texas. And And retailers. In retailers.
1: Louisiana and Texas. Yeah. We can even buy here in Austin.
0: Yeah. Which we've been buying it um, a case at a time. Jason and I like to drink wine, but also because we're giving it to our other podcast um, guests as a little thank you gift.
1: Yes, because it's so delicious. And it'll hit the shelves in California in March of 2022. And we're guessing the rest of the U.S. shortly thereafter.
0: Yeah, hopefully as quick as possible. <laughs> Their social handle on Instagram is at RedThumbWine, and the website is www.redthumbwine.com. Pretty simple.
1: Yep, we'll and, put it in the notes. Yeah. So a couple of questions lingering from the episode, we weren't sure. He wasn't one hundred percent sure what AVA stands for, and it does stand for American Viticultural Area or AVA. And it's a specific type of appellation of origin used on wine labels. An AVA is a delimited grape growing region with specific geographic or climatic features that distinguish it from the surrounding regions. And it is a federal designation.
0: So what does that mean? Can we sum it up even shorter than that?
1: (laughs) (laughs) I think it's just taking all the unique qualities of a particular area and putting it in writing so that wines can say, This is a Russian River wine, and Russian River is an AVA.
0: Gotcha. Okay. That makes a little more sense (laughs) when you explain it that way.
1: (laughs) And when we asked about unwanted ingredients, he talked about coloring and clarifying agents and the occasional field mouse.
0: Gross.
1: (laughs) He was remiss afterwards that he forgot to talk about pesticides and agriculture chemicals. Glyphosate, one of the most common herbicides used in agriculture, is actually popping up in a lot of wine.
0: Buying wines with organic grapes is getting more and more important over time since these herbicides and pesticides persist in the soil and in the water. And the difference between clean and polluted wine is really massive too.
1: Yeah, I have run multiple very scientific tests and I can tell you confidently that I can drink a bottle of Red Thumb wine by myself in the evening and have no hangover the next day.
0: That's true. You can do that. I don't <laughs> think I've tested it, actually. But Yourself? You yeah.
1: yeah. <laughs> I, I'll hog the wine because it's just so clean and delicious. And that's actually my major takeaway. I, You know, we don't think about what's in our wine that much. And it's interesting to learn. But I physically can tell the difference. And so I want us to find more bottles like this. So we're going to do yeah. some research and maybe put together a box of curated wines for y'all. That will be Mason can drink a bottle with no hangover (laughs) certified. (laughs) That'd be great. Any other takeaways for you, Jess?
0: Um, I think my biggest takeaway is that people assume that all wine is vegan. Mm -hmm. And not that there's necessarily a massive vegan population out there. And I don't follow a vegan diet, but I didn't realize what all could be used as processing agents like fish bladders and cow hooves. Um, and
1: even blood, as I thought in the episode, it's true that blood can be used to clarify it. And I think some vegans would tell you that there's a massive vegan population out there. But the They're crossover mobile. between vegans <laughs> and wine drinkers, I would say there's dramatically more wine drinkers than there are vegans.
0: Right. And so even if you're not vegan and I'm not vegan, like I don't want fish bladders and cow hubs.
1: Right. I see. My that was the point. That was the point.
0: Yes. <laughs> so if you
1: enjoyed this at all, please give us a subscribe or follow so you can get notified of wonderful new episodes and also so that we know you like us. We've got some amazing guests coming up that you won't want to miss. Thanks for tuning in.
0: Thanks, guys.